Next stop on our trip of fall championship previews is girls volleyball. And we are, I want to be intentional about saying girls volleyball. We didn't say girls volleyball for a long time because boys volleyball, while it was an emerging sport with the Missouri State High School Activities Association, it was not interscholastic. And this year for the first time, boys volleyball is fully interscholastic in the spring. We'll talk about them later. So now we need to discipline ourselves to say girls volleyball in the fall. And joining me today is Tony Hill, Associate Executive Director in charge of the sport of volleyball. Welcome. Hello. Yes, it's going to be your first championship. It is. It is. I'm very excited. Well, good. Okay. When is Girls Volleyball Championship this year? Girls Volleyball Championship this year is November 2nd through the 4th down in Cape Girardeau at the Show Me Center. Okay. Show Me Center on the campus of Southeast Missouri State University. That is right. Okay. SEMO Red Hawks. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think you're an alum. I am an alum. We're going back I home. Am an alum. Okay. That's right. All right. So the Show Me Center, we've been at the Show Me Center several years, and we are in our last two. Is that correct? That's right. We'll be down there 2023 and again in 2024. Before we move to St. Joseph, Missouri, and we'll talk about that again later. But so this is for our championships. Cape Girardeau is a little bit of a corner for us. It's in, And if you're from Southeast Missouri, Cape Girardeau is not in the corner at all. But when you look at the state as a whole, you look at the Southeast Missouri, with our team sport championships, we don't hold the value of being centrally located as highly as we do in our individual sports. And volleyball is an example of that where we've been in Cape Girardeau for many, many years. And so we understand that there are qualifying schools that have to travel a very long way to get to Cape Girardeau. However, the number of qualifying schools that have to make that trip is much fewer than for individual sports. So just a little note there about, yes, we know (laughs) Cape Girardeau is a long way from northwest Missouri. It's a long way from northeast Missouri. However, it's a small number of qualifying schools and it's a special trip. So Let's talk about qualifying schools. We have the district championships coming up. How many classes do we have in volleyball? We have five classes. And when do our district tournaments run? District tournaments can run anywhere between October 17th through the 24th. Okay. So that's a pretty good stretch. It's a week. A full week. A full week in our five classes. And then what is the pathway for each class? If you get a district championship, how many more games are you going to have to play to get to the final? So for classes one, two, and three, you have district championship, and then you would go to a sectional match, and then a quarterfinal match, and if you win that quarterfinal match, then you get to go to state. Okay, so I'm choosing volleyball to have a little conversation about the changing nature or the changed nature of our postseason pathway. And in the past, prior to 2020, when we changed our classification rules, we were, and we had some differences. Some sports had a few different rules than other sports. But for the most part, we were trying to classify our sports in numbers that made good sense for brackets. And the best example for that would be basketball. We tried to make classifications of 128 schools because 128 makes for a great bracket. Those of you who follow NCAA men's basketball and women's basketball, they have 64. That's their bracket is 64. You know, to make a bracket, and it's always head-to-head competition, you start with two at the final, and then you work out from there. You know, you double that, and then you double that. Pretty soon, you get to 64, and then you double that, and you get to 128. So that makes a really nice classification where you have nice eight-team 
brackets in your district tournament, and then you would have a sectional round, a quarterfinal round, and then you end up with a final four. And that was the logic behind many of the rules we had for setting up classifications. In basketball, at a time, we had five classes in basketball. We'd try to set up 128 team brackets in classes one through four, actually one through four, take out three, three we called the catch-all, and then in class five we'd have 64, and in class three we'd fill in with whatever we needed based on the number of schools registered. So all of that was how we used to do it. When we did it that way, there was really no accounting for school size, enrollment size, and it was possible that a class, you know, you class two, the smallest school to the largest school could be three and sometimes four times the number of students enrolled in that school. And our schools were saying, you know, this isn't really fair. Our classification should be more like schools. So we came around, the board of directors looked at this. There were ad hoc committees that looked at this and said, you know, maybe, maybe our rules should be more focusing on the differential, the difference between the biggest school and the smallest school in a class. And so our new rules, taking out class one, say, You can't have more than twice the size of your school in a class, except for class one, and that's because of the extremely small schools in our state. What happened when that rule went in in 2020, in many of our sports, we added a class. Because when you are controlling for school size, you get classes with a smaller number of schools, and you have to add a class. So volleyball is one of those sports. used to have four. Now it has five. We do have five. We added a class, which changed the nature of our championships. We often added days to our championship. Volleyball, softball, many of our other sports now have an extra day, which is, you know, that is fine. The membership's fine with that. The office is fine with that. But there's another feature, and this is where we're getting to. When we change that classification system, we also, in almost every case, lower the number of teams in a classification. So where I was using the basketball example before, where you used to have 128 teams kind of be the standard or even 64 teams be the standard in a classification. Now, outside of class one, there isn't much of a standard. The standard is how many teams can you fit in the class and not exceed that 2.0 differential from the largest to the smallest. So what we got are some classes that had you know, 70 teams in them, 65 teams in them. Well, when you start to break that out and try to go back to your traditional, you're going to have a district tournament, then you're going to have a sectional game and a quarterfinal game before you get to the final four, your districts become really, really small. You can't get eight team districts, which is eight team districts is our, is our standard. That's what we would like. We'd like a nice district tournament with eight schools involved. So if we'd stayed with the, you know, with the basically three-step process, if you will, a district tournament, then a sectional game, then a quarterfinal game, you were getting small districts. We were having districts in the state with three teams, maybe even two teams in some sports. You know, district tournaments are good for schools, good for communities, good for regions of the state. And also there's a little bit of we won the district tournament. That means we beat somebody (laughs) to win the district tournament. To win one game to win the district tournament is really kind of not the philosophy of a district tournament. So we have, our board of directors even last year, we've been trying to figure out where's the cut line in this situation. And so the board has said when a classification has 80 or more schools, we can go ahead and have a sectional round. If they have less than 80 schools, we don't need a sectional round. And what we do is instead of assigning 16 districts 
in that classification of the state, we assign eight. What does that do effectively? It cuts out a sectional round. And so in volleyball, getting back to volleyball, back with you, Tony, getting back to volleyball, we have in classes one through three, we have enough schools that we can justify. We're over 80 in those classifications. We have a sectional round. And in classes four and five, we don't. Correct. Okay. That's a long explanation, but we're seeing it in the sport of softball. Marty and I talked about it on that podcast, but we didn't talk about why. But in softball, we're in the position where we don't have any sectional games at any class in fall softball. And that is shocking for a lot of schools because they're kind of used to that pattern. We're going to touch a little bit. Those who don't have a child in volleyball, don't coach volleyball, don't supervise volleyball, we play best of. Volleyball is best of, right? Can you just talk us through how do you win a volleyball match? So varsity volleyball is the best three out of five. So you have to win three sets to win the match. So you can play up to five sets to be able to beat a team. And I know this is like makes me really old, but we're not using side out scoring anymore. Well, we're using rally scoring. Rally scoring. Rally scoring. Which means that every serve results in a point. That does. Yes. Either for the service team or the receiving team. And we play to 25, you must win by two. We play to 25, must win by two for the first four matches. If you go to that fifth match, that fifth match is to 15. Okay. So we used to play pool play in our final four. We did. But now we are fully bracketed all the way through. That is correct. We played pool play when it was still best two out of three. When we made that change, the National Federation made that rule change to three out of five, that's when we went to bracketed play through our state tournament. And we've got in our state tournament, we we mentioned three days, five classes. This is very similar. If you listen to the softball podcast, if you win your semifinal, you're staying to the next day to play the championship game. If you lose your semifinal, you're going to be playing your third place game that same day. For classes three, four, and five, that's correct. Okay. Classes one and two... Third place and championship will be on Saturday. Okay. Okay. So we start with the larger classes and the smaller classes are in the last two days. That is correct. Okay. Who helps us in Cape Girardeau? I mean, we're going to go down there. We're going to run this tournament, but who helps us? We have Will Gorman there that runs the Show Me Center, and he's been fantastic to work with. Helps us. Taylor Johnson also helps in that facility, and, and they're great to work with, and they've been Really good to this newbie trying to get me familiar, although I've been in the Show Me Center since it was built back in the late 80s, I think, is when it was built. I remember that. I remember just going to Hauk, and then the big Show Me Center was built for Southeast Missouri, but they help us, all the ins and outs, the rooms that we need for our officials, our locker rooms for our coaches and players, and practice courts, and all of those things. They help facilitate that and help us run an excellent tournament down there. And you mentioned officials. Where are we getting our officials from and how do we decide who they are? So there's a process when we assign postseason officials. And when we say postseason officials, that includes sectional round, quarterfinal round, and final round. We take our coaches' recommendations. They have the opportunity to recommend officials for each of those levels. They can put an official recommendation down and say, hey, they're a championship-level official, or they're a state series-level official, or they're a district-level official. And they help with that and that recommendation. And then we have official observers around the state that also help recommend those. And then we have a head official for volleyball. That's Andy Williams this year. Kathy Beats had done it for years and years, and, and she is one of our observers. And so we take a lot of what she says into consideration also. But 
We sat down with that list and looked at the areas and tried to be, for our state officials, championship officials there, try to make sure that all of our regions are represented and just look at all those things, who's been there. We try not to bring an official to the state tournament once about every four years. They can make that so we don't have the same officials at the state tournament every year after year, but there's a process for sure. And in the regular season, your line judges are parents from the stands for the most part. Parents or players from the other, you know, the JV team with varsity's playing School varsity officials, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. kinds of people. How do we do that at state? Our state officials, they rotate through the R1, R2 and line judging positions. And so we have registered postseason officials that are assigned to those line judges. Okay. It's a little different. Than, it is a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Every sport has just a little bit different feel for when they get to the state final. We talk about tennis. They don't have any officials no. during the regular season all the way up to the final site. And then, then we have roving officials. If you are in the individual singles and doubles championship, you will have a chaired tennis match, which is kind of special. So, yeah. And in volleyball, we have officials on the lines at the state championship. We have four officials on each court all right. for every game. Okay. Speaking of, do we play one game at a time? Or uh, do we have two courts going? We have two courts going. So for our semifinal matches, say class five semifinals, both semifinals are being played at the same time on courts side by side. So if you're in the Show Me Center and you want to watch both class five semifinals set in the middle of the gym and you can, you know, pepper back and forth and watch both of those courts. Our trophy games, our third place and championship games are played on one court and there's not another game going on on that other court. Yeah, we put a net down but for those yeah. of you who are wondering how you play volleyball side by side. Yes, there's, yes. A, there's, there's a net. Yes. So they, yeah. Balls very rarely go to the other side. And we have ball teams because boys volleyball team could come down and, and work. But we have high school teams or junior high teams that requested to come down and we put them around the court and make sure that we don't have balls just flying everywhere. Yeah. And I, I do want to mention just the Cape Girardeau community. Talk about other teams helping and those kinds of things that the the Convention and Visitors Bureau from Cape Girardeau has done a great job helping us out. We've had for many, many years, you know, just community groups, either another high school comes in and mm-hmm. sells t-shirts or those kinds of uh, you know volunteer activities that we have or, or fundraising activities in the Cape Girardeau area. So we've just had a tremendous run in Cape Girardeau. Yes. We're kind of about to finish it out, at least for this time around. But it's really been a pleasure to be down there. So do you have anything else to add about the 2023 championships? I'm just excited. My first championship down there. And so being able to go back to Southeast Missouri and, and have that experience, is, I'm, I'm just thrilled and I'm excited to see those teams come out and it's going to be three days of really good volleyball so come out and watch it. All right thank you very much the Missouri State High School Activities Association Girls Volleyball Championships November 2nd through 4th 2023 in Cape Girardeau Missouri at the Show Me Center you've been listening to the Misha All Access Podcast. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstead, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.